this past week, I really wanted to do a recorded video on Friday and either do two things. I was either going to act like Sean, uh, even though you would clearly know that it's not me, or I'm not him because, well, I guess I'm Mr. Clean now. <laughs> or just to kind of give you guys a joke, be like, well, if you guys wanted to skip a Sunday sometime soon, now would be the one to do it since I'm preaching. <laughs> um, but it's very funny and very ironic that um, I remember the last time I stood up here to preach. Um, if you guys remember, I delivered a message on Jericho. And after that message, uh, Alan actually announced that we were going to vote on Sean the following Sunday. Um, but for those of you who might remember, last summer was a very... Uh, difficult time for some people. Um, for some of us on the, the hiring committee team, you might not remember, we might have mentioned it, but we actually met, I think it was weekly, every single week. Um, we got together and we talked about potential candidates, and it was a very strange time to be kind of stuck in. Um, we, I think we went through maybe around 20 or so different candidates, and we just, we felt like we weren't necessarily receiving a lot of leading from the Holy Spirit. Uh, on what God was wanting to do with us here at the tribe. Uh, and it was a difficult time to try to kind of discover what it was that God was trying to do. Uh, we weren't entirely sure what God was doing behind the scenes, but we knew that whoever we might pick could be molding or shaping our identity uh, for the better part of 20 years if the last guy is anything to judge off of. Um, but little could we know that God was up to something way better I think than any of us could have imagined. But when you're in the middle of difficult or harsh times, uh, sometimes it's hard to see what God is doing. So let's ask for the Lord's blessing on this message today. God, it's like we sang earlier, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We want you to flood this place. We want you to fill this atmosphere, God. God, I don't want any of the words I say today to not be of you. Because um, if whatever I say is just going to fall so much shorter than what you have for us. God, I just pray that you bless uh, this message, Lord. That you, that you show up here today, God. Because um, if you don't show up, then, then this is just, this is all pointless. So God, we just ask you to show up here today, God, that I may decrease and you may increase, that it's your words and not mine, because whatever you have for us is just infinitely more powerful and just better. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So it's in the middle of harsh times that we find our text today. Um, in Exodus chapter 4, um, if you want to go ahead and start turning in your Bibles. Ironically, Sean just got done with a series in Genesis, and then today I'm going to be preaching in Exodus. <laughs> so we're kind of going a little bit chronological, if you will. Um, but before we jump into the reading today, I kind of wanted to give you a little bit of background on where we are in the text. Um, I would argue personally that Exodus is more important than Genesis. And some of you are like, well, why would you want to argue that? Why would you talk about that? Well, I think it's not too complicated of a reasoning, really, because Exodus is largely about Moses, and Moses, we believe, wrote most of, if not all, of Exodus. So 
Genesis is written much more later um, than it actually occurred. You know, Adam didn't write down what happened in Genesis, but Moses wrote down what happened in Exodus. And, and also Moses would go on to write different things like Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. So a lot of what Judaism and Christianity look at as important texts starts happening here in Exodus. This is kind of the birthplace of our religion, the birthplace of Judaism as well. Um, and before Exodus, God had interacted very little with humankind. We know that he talked with Abraham. We know that he interacted with Isaac. We know that he interacted with Jacob um, and different people. But the amount that God is about to interact with this small, fledgling country um, compared to what he did before is kind of profound. It's kind of a big deal. And what happens right before we read today uh, is God interacting with Moses in the form of a burning bush. And we're actually going to pick up in Exodus chapter 4, verses 27 to 31. So the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshiped. So for those of you who need a reminder of what exactly uh, these different signs are, you can kind of look back in the previous chapters if you want. Um, but the signs are the staff thing where he throws the staff on the ground, it turns into a snake, he picks up the tail of the snake, it turns back into a staff. It's this leprosy thing where he sticks his hand in his coat and he pulls it back out, he has leprosy, he sticks it back in and it's normal again. And for the water turning into blood. Um, so, typically things you probably don't see every day. The elders of Israel got to watch firsthand before Moses and Aaron were going to go to Pharaoh to perform the exact same things. Um, some people might call them tricks. I'm more inclined to call them a word like miracle um, because it's kind of crazy, the power of God. And a lot of them hadn't seen anything like this before. Um, but the things that Moses and Aaron were telling these elders of the Israelites were something that you've probably heard of in some famous movies and other lines, um, but it's let my people go, you know. And I think it's worth mentioning because these people heard that God cared about them. This God they might have heard rumors about actually cared about them. And in the first few chapters of Exodus, it mentions explicitly that they, these people, they're, they're slaves. They're crying out to God, that, and God hears them. And I think that's an important thing to mention, especially for us here today as well, is that God hears you no matter what you're going through right now. But our first point today is, um, belief is easy when good is promised. Put another way, it's easy to believe in God when it doesn't actually cost you anything. When you're hearing about this, this deity who cares about you and who's listening to you and wants to do these nice things for you, I mean, everyone would be pretty excited about that kind of a good news, I think. But I think the problem is, is a lot of these Israelites were thinking, okay, God wants to give us this land, this is all good news, but I don't think they realized what, about, what was about to happen next. You see, they didn't realize that in order to get the freedom that God had promised, there was going to be a confrontation between the mouthpiece of God and Moses, 
in Moses, as in he is the mouthpiece of God, and this Pharaoh, this king of Egypt. They didn't realize that there was going to be a cost associated with their freedom, and that God was also interested in not just revealing himself to the Israelites, but he wanted to show basically the most powerful country in the world who he was as well. God had such a large agenda that was about to happen. And Israel was about to find out the hard way what God was going to do. So we're going to skip ahead a little bit in Exodus chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. So that same day, Pharaoh gave the order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people, you are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and make a sacrifice to our God. So our second point for today is that belief often has a cost. Bluntly put, the Israelites believed that God was going to do something for them, but they didn't realize that sometimes things get a little bit more difficult before they get a little bit easier. You know, for those of you who have ever experienced any kind of trauma or therapy, you realize that sometimes what a therapist will do will dig deep and, and get into a lot of these things, and you have to go through things in order to come out the other side. Sometimes healing requires a lot of deep digging. And so in order for these Israelites to be healed of what they're going through, to get free of what they're going through, that means they actually have to go through some harder situations before they do that. And that's what that straw and brick situation is all about. Because when you read before, you read in different parts here in Exodus, the Egyptians would bring them the straw. And now they have to go and get the straw in order to make the brick. But they have to maintain the same quota. So literally their job, I don't want to say is twice as hard, but it's significantly harder than it was before. And this is setting the stage for the final point that we're going to get to here soon. But sometimes our faith seems a lot, some people make our faith to seem out easier than it really is. And sometimes it gets a little messy. Sometimes things like this happen. Um, and there's a lot of things that can happen between where you are now and where God is going to take you. And sometimes that means going through hard times in order for God to work through them and turn you into the person that he wants you to be. But unfortunately, the Israelites weren't, I don't know how to say this, they weren't really paying attention to that. They weren't seeing what God was trying to do. And Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 we're going to see what the Israelites did after the brick and straw situation. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. They didn't listen to him because of their discouragement. 
And I don't mean to make light of their circumstances or their pain, but Scripture makes it perfectly clear that they were so consumed with what was in front of them that they were missing out on what God was really doing. They didn't want to listen to Moses, the mouthpiece of God, because their circumstances got harder. He was saying he was still going to deliver them. Nothing had changed between chapters 4 and 6. Nothing at all about what God was planning on doing. But because things got harder, they didn't want to listen anymore. They didn't want to hear the good news that the messenger of God was offering to them. Things way beyond just stopping the pain, but a land flowing with milk and honey. And and even us today in the 21st century can recognize that milk and honey are good things. Things that we still use today. In only a span of a few chapters and probably a few days, they no longer wanted to listen because of the discouragement. Which leads me to our third and final point for today. Don't let circumstances dictate your belief. Don't be so focused on wishing the bad away that you lose sight of the good. Which reminds me of a story. So in this story, there was a man who was set apart and decidedly different. You could call him a messenger of God, if you will. But as he was traveling to this big, important city, people were waving palm branches and shouting out, Hosanna. But once he got into town, he started doing things that people really didn't want. He wasn't doing what they were expecting him to do. He wasn't doing what they were wanting him to do. They wanted him to be like a warrior king of the old times who would overthrow the government because the the government, in some ways, was oppressing them. It was not a pleasant thing, and I think it's hard for us to kind of capture that because of all the freedoms that we have here today. It was a physical world that they were living in, and all they could see were their physical problems. They had lost track of who their true enemy was. In the past, they were so used to being punished and rewarded based on their conduct, on their character, on their following of this law. And the king did not come to overthrow the government. In fact, over the span of that government's existence, they would learn to call him king. This king came to defeat a greater enemy than any of them could possibly see. One that since the beginning was tormenting these people. It was tormenting every single human being who would ever be born. He made his mission about it quite clear, and he spoke on it quite a lot. But the crowd couldn't see that. They couldn't, or they wouldn't listen. So it was deems this, king life, this king's life would actually be taken, since he wasn't what they wanted nor they expected. In a short amount of time, public opinion had changed. And while there's no way for us to know if the crowds that screamed Hosanna were the same crowds that screamed crucify him, the point doesn't change. Public opinion had changed about Jesus in the span of a few days once they realized he didn't come to do what they thought he was coming to do. Their circumstances dictated their beliefs and their faith. They let their discouragement distract them so much to the point that they were missing out on what God was doing. 
Jesus made perfectly clear what he was doing. He answered plenty of questions. He knew exactly what he came to do, but it, wasn't, it didn't fit the mold that they wanted it to. And it's not that different from our text in Exodus today. Only chapters later in Exodus do we see the Israelites already wanting to turn around and go back to Egypt because they're getting chased before the water splits. Because they'd rather go back to the known bad than to the unknown good. The mystery was scary to them. And I, you see the first century Jews do the same thing. And I don't think it's that much of a stretch to say that some of us in here are in the same boat. We have a hard time seeing what God is doing or believing in what God has said he will do because of the circumstances that we're facing. In the beginning, I, I told you guys the story about the hiring process from my perspective. There are so many things I could tell you, so many uncertainties that were on our plates. But what I couldn't tell you, what I didn't know then, was that on TJ's last Sunday, I would go on my first date with a woman who I would eventually spend the rest of my life with. What I couldn't tell you is that the guy we would end up hiring was underneath our noses the whole time. <laughs> what I then knew what I knew was that I lost a dear friend and co-laborer in TJ. And I had a hard time, me, associate pastor Joshua Richardson, I had a hard time believing that God could fill that void that I felt like TJ left. What I didn't realize was that after watching a recorded sermon of the guy who would fill in for me would preach far and away better than any of those other 20 or so candidates we had. He'd be more educated and experienced than me. He would be an excellent mentor to me. And he had a wife who would support his ministry, which is something I hadn't seen for a while. And his wife would then become an excellent mentor for my future wife. He would personify God's love and grace to me personally. I think he does a pretty good job of it to you guys as well. And I don't think that God brought Sean here. Let me, let me re-say that. It's not a freak chance that he's here. I believe that God brought me and Sean here for such a time as this. I believe that he has called and equipped our elders, our deacons, our trustees, and all their significant others and spouses for such a time as this. I believe that God has called each and every one of you in the pews here today for such a time as this. I believe that God... has called us here together to do something special. I believe that Jesus wants to commission, his Holy Spirit wants to equip us, and I believe 
that God has a plan for Lexington, Ohio, and we are a part of that plan. And I'm not going to steal any thunder, but in the next couple months, we're going to be talking about different mission and vision sermons. And I believe that whatever you're going through right now, God wants to use. That doesn't mean the pain gets easy, but it does mean it has a purpose. But we have to be aware of it. We have to be aware that God has called us to something, each and every one of us. But if we're too focused on what's happening in our lives, then we might miss it. We might not be able to hear because we're so focused on it. We don't want to be like the Israelites in Exodus. We don't want to miss out on what God is saying because very clearly God was using Moses to tell them, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And they didn't want to hear it. So we need to be ready because God wants to do something with us as a body. There's a reason we're here. There's a reason we're all in, this pew, in these pews together. God has a plan and his Holy Spirit is working among us right now. But what I want to do is I ask the, the worship team to come back up here is I want to provide you that opportunity to spend some time in prayer with the Lord. We're going to have an elder and their wife. You're going to have me up here. We want this to be a place where you don't feel discouraged. We want this tribe, this church, this Lexington Church of Christ to be a place where you can come and ask for help. There's nothing wrong with feeling discouraged. There's nothing wrong with struggling to listen to what God is having for you. But he's placed you here so that you can ask for help if you need it. I really believe that. So while they start to play, we're going to afford you that opportunity to pray. And for some of you, this might be the most important time in the sermon on Sunday morning. And you can pray at any time, but isn't there something special about praying with your tribe? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we believe you're working right now. We believe your Holy Spirit is moving right now, Father God. And we thank you for Jesus. God, we just pray that you continue your work. We know that you're never done working, Father. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.